0: Hello and welcome to a Sideways Life podcast. This is episode 63, and we have a treat for you. We're back to our interviews after our little time over Christmas, Raptor interviews with Alex. But before I go on to that, then uh, there's someone very important I want to introduce, which is my lovely wife and co host.
1: Hello. <laughs> Hello, Leanne. <laughs> hi, hi, So,
0: for anyone new here, this is Leanne, my wife. Um, I'm Al.
1: I'm more than just your wife, but that is the nature of our relationship. <coughs>
0: I think in the context of this, I'm not just saying she's my wife and that's all that's important about her, uh-huh. but in the
1: uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> so um, if you're new to this, then welcome. Yes, you. Yes, welcome. Um, we are essentially about the honest guide to living and working abroad. Now, you might say, why are we having a um, an ex-professional footballer and someone who fished for England? Why have we got them as a guest? Well, because they're originally from the UK, they now live in the Alps. Um, They have a physiotherapy business. If I say they, um, Alex is his name, has a physiotherapy business, but he's got such an interesting story. I
1: mean, I've not listened to this yet, so I'm I'm looking forward to hearing it. Uh, But from what you've told me, it sounds like Alex had a bit of a time time with it, really.
0: He did. He did. Um, You'll hear about injuries. You'll hear about Peter Peter Beardsley. Um, (laughs) You're going to hear about clinics. You're going to hear about fishing. And he's even got a great story about his dad. Um, that is I don't think his dad has ever actually heard. So if you're listening, Alex's dad, then um, there's a story. yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a story about you in here. Um, okay, so it's quite a long one, so we'll keep this intro short, and we will see you in a maybe about half an hour after we've spoken to Alex. So I'm joined here with Alex Haddo. Now Alex has got such an interesting story. From my research and from Andrew Bosanworth, who introduced us, you might remember Andrew from the uh, van life uh, episode about six months ago. Um, Alex has played midfield in for Reading. He's played for Carlisle. He's played for a Canadian team, and then there was an injury which I won't go into because I want Andrew to talk. I want Alex to talk about it. Um, and then he's pivoted slightly. So. First of all, welcome. Hello, Alex. Thanks for joining us.
2: Hi, uh, Thank you. Thanks for the invite. I'm, I'm flattered and a little bit surprised that you want to talk to me, but um, <laughs> I'm happy to tell you whatever I know.
0: Uh, honestly, I've read your story and I've heard it from Andrew and uh, it's absolutely incredible. And there's a few things I want to dig into. But first of all, just start off with, but just tell me, what
2: is a day in the life of Alex? Um, so often what we we'll do is get the kids ready and ship them off and, and then go skiing for two or three hours we're right in the middle of town so we can we can walk to ski lifts and um yeah go and get some fresh air and get up high and see the mountains um and then come back down for about midday have lunch and then a usual day is, is like you said we, we go and um provide physiotherapy um and massage services to lots of different hotels and chalets and private clients um, in our little town here so um we have a good good work-life balance we can choose our own hours um and yeah, in, enjoy life in the mountains. Um, so yeah, it's 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 very different to my my old commute that might be you know getting in the car and driving and you know at seven o'clock in the morning and sitting in traffic and trying to get somewhere and you know the the daily grind as everyone calls it.
0: So I think for our listeners, just just to get an idea, you're you're not yet forty, are you? You're forty next year, is that right?
2: I I, I am in about three weeks. Yeah,
0: you're three weeks. Right. Okay. So you're <sighs> not yet forty. The reason I bring that up is that that you've you've essentially like. <laughs> you, you're living two dreams you've li- lived the dream of being a professional footballer and now you're living the dream of having this amazing life so at what point did you go, start going professional with footballing at what point did you realize that that was potentially a, ra- a route for you
2: there's a lot to the story so i'll try and i'll try and give you the, the good bits um i mean also i'm flattered to say yeah, i'm living two dreams i'm not, I'm not gonna uh, lie that you know life is always easy and peachy there's a lot of uh, hard work and a lot of thought and especially with my football career a huge amount of sacrifice um so uh yeah you you know I, get, I guess with all dreams and only a part of it is is the the cream on top i guess i i i'd put me down as as one of the the many probably thousands of of young guys and and, and girls now for sure that that went down the route of of professional football and um I I was making a living out of it but not the superstardom and the the money that, that you know everyone knows about in that that's, exists in the Premier League. Um but uh yeah it's I guess it, it, I started playing football quite late actually. I was my brother was mad on football my dad my dad was a, a semi professional footballer and and his two brothers as well so it was um a football mad family but I wasn't particularly interested to be honest I, I love going fishing when I was when I was an eight and you know <laughs> eight or nine or ten I'd go down the canal and fishing with my mates my brother was playing football and so was my dad and and that meant that the weekends my my dad's time was taken up taking my brother to football and no time for me to go fishing so eventually I thought oh, okay bollocks I'll start playing football as well I started playing for the school team you just played for the school team you, you didn't play for the district team and then the county team um, and I quickly sort of moved up into into those teams, um, and I got scouted by uh, Arsenal. So when I was 13, I signed for Arsenal actually as a schoolboy, um, and then and again this was you know I'd only been playing for three or four years, and I didn't give monkeys to be honest. Like all my family is Spurs fans as well, so I'd be running out in an <laughs> Arsenal kit at their training ground, like with the first team trained. You know, my dad would begrudgingly stand there and watch, even though he hates <laughs> Arsenal. Um, I had a, I had an injury, and at that age, you sort of in and out of these academies, and um, I had an injury, so I missed half of the season. The next start of the next season, I wasn't invited back uh, by Arsenal. Um, but I was invited to go to Reading for some, some open trials. There was a YTS, actually. I don't know if you remember what YTS is. I mm-hmm. The training scheme it was a government scheme, but rich football clubs got hold of the scheme, and it meant that they only had to pay these young lads 50 quid a week or something like that. But, they <laughs> work, you know, you work about 70 hours, you know, cleaning boots and cleaning changing rooms and all that sort of old school shit that no one talks about now. You don't think you're allowed to do it. But, yeah, we were cleaning boots in the dark and, you know, scrubbing toilet floors and all that stuff. Um so yeah, we I, my brother and I got to sixteen actually and, and I was well I actually got offered um at fifteen um a, a YTS contract and my brother actually got let, let go. He then went on to some other footballing teams. He played for Farnborough and some some other good clubs. Um so yeah, when I was fifteen I was still had a year left at school, but you know, the following three years were already planned out for me and um so it does take your mind off studying a little bit as you can imagine you walk around with a bit more of a spring in your step mm-hmm. um but i still did all right right school to got my gcses you know normal sort of grade C's and stuff like that and i think odd a or b here and there um and yeah then when when i turned uh just after i turned 16 yeah, moved left school um and and moved out moved to reading which is actually isn't very far from from my hometown fleet in hampshire um and then yeah after the first year I actually i was still quite young I, I broke into the first team and i, I think i was the, at the time i was the youngest ever player after, to play for the first team of, of reading and i was the first product of the the reading youth academy that that um that this new setup of academies rather than this yts scheme that i was under but i started playing i was playing football yeah, my debut i played in front of i think it was about fifteen thousand people and a few weeks later, we, we I was on the bench against Man City, at, you know, the, the, they're not the giants that they are now. But you know, it was this this huge club, you know, stadium was full mm-hmm. of twenty five thousand people there. You know, and eighteen months before I was sat in a classroom, um, but I was getting paid fifty quid a week. You know, I was, playing, I was keeping blokes out of the team that were getting paid five or ten grand a week. I'm running around on on the pitch with these these blokes I used to watch on telly. So it was, um, yeah, really a really phenomenal time. Um, and there was huge, huge highs, highs that I really don't think you can get in 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 sort of many other walks of life. It really is a, a young lad, lad's dream. Um, but again, you know, I sacrificed every evening since I was 13 through the week, um, apart from Fridays when I didn't have training. I wouldn't go out on a Friday night with all my mates that might go to, I don't know, the youth centre or whatever, or down the park and drink ciders. I'd be sat at home eating like salad and fish and stuff, ready for a big game on a Saturday morning. So, mm-hmm. um, I could probably say between the age of thirteen and twenty-eight, I've probably had about I don't know half a dozen nights out on a Friday. You know, it's like and, and you know that includes you know Christmases and New Years and all that sort of stuff. You're normally travelling, staying in hotels, and you know it's very it's a very dedicated life. And I was sort of in and out of the team a bit for a, for a few years signed a professional contract where I was getting a bit paid a bit more than fifty quid a week, but it wasn't much more. I think it was about two hundred quid a week or something. Which um it uh, was still all right if you I was seventeen. Um but the bonuses mm. were pretty good. I think the bonuses each week in my first week I think the bonuses were I think I got about two grand in in one week for when I was seventeen. So um yeah I had I had a lot of fun. Um then eventually my co- my contract was up and the manager at the time didn't fancy me so I, I looked for another club and moved on to Carlisle United. Um that were in they're right at the bottom of League Two, so the bottom of the, the Football League at the time. Um, but they were a lovely club, and I, I played five games in my fifth game. I, I, I really badly injured my knee, so I ruptured my, um, my ACL and, and tore. Um, my cartilage and fractured a bit, of my femur, which is actually quite a common um, injury in, in football, but it takes a long time to get back. I spent a whole year in rehab, so five, five six, seven hours a day, six days a week for a whole year where you're in a gym or in a physio room or in the swimming pool or training on your own on the later stages on a on a pitch. Um and it's it's fucking brutal. You know, yes. it's i I wasn't getting paid a lot. And I was up, you know, way up north up where Andrew, not far from where Andrew's from. It's cold up there. I was lonely, you know, I was twenty two or something, twenty one. And um yeah, managed to sort of graft my way and got back fit. Um and then on my the first game back I did it all again so i was out for a whole nother year um i I literally played about 30 minutes and and redid it all so i had more surgery um and at that point when you
0: say you redid it all you did it was the same injury over again
2: yeah so um i finally got back to what what you call match fit um and and i started the game and about 30 minutes in i i kicked the ball in a certain way and got a little nudge from another player as he's coming to close me down and just twisted my knee again and the whole thing popped again it, it went and i knew straight away and funny enough the first time you do it you're a bit naive you don't know what this stuff is but the second time yeah it completely broke down and i knew what i knew what was ahead of me i knew the graft um and just to rub salt into the wounds um Carla had gone into administration so they went they went tits up so they had no money so they paid up my contract and I was I was gone I, was, I half paid it up. And I was gone. So I was without club and injured again and just you know, I was fucked. I just thought, oh yeah, see, I'm fucked. Um, I, at any time I think it is difficult. But you know, I'm I'm a physio now and I I deal with these people and you know forty year olds are, are still devastated when they have these sorts of injuries. So it's it's really rough actually. I haven't I haven't funny enough, I haven't actually sort of probably told that, that story like I just have before and it, it went you know thinking about it and hearing myself say it yeah it was really fucking rough like I was it was awful it was awful and you've got no support you know I left school at 16 I had nothing so um yeah this is where you know like li- living the dream or living two dreams as you you um, generously put it, it it does come with some some rough moments as probably anyone that that is you know it just probably anyone um has ups and downs in their lives but so yeah i uh i managed to sort of dust myself off and um i managed to train with a couple of teams and you know go through physio and and looked after myself just done it for a year so i knew pretty well what to do funny enough it was um a link through Carlisle united um which uh the world famous Peter Beardsley used to play for. I don't know if you're a football fan, but he's you know, he's a he's a god amongst amongst men in many footballers' eyes. He's from Carlisle and he used to play for them. He obviously when they went to Newcastle, he played for England. But he had a little spell in Vancouver. And um he'd arranged for a couple of lads from Newcastle United to go over to the Vancouver Whitecaps and, and train their their seasons in the summer, whereas we're closed in the summer. And um, I, I joined them, so I went over there and, and played through the off-season because I managed to get myself fit and went over there and played a little bit in the in the A-League for the Vancouver Whitecaps, which was an awesome experience. Um, and it was actually funny because I'd always dreamt of travelling and going, living abroad and ever since I was a kid, you know, mum and dad would take us on holiday. But, from the age of yeah, fifteen onwards, I that option was never on the table. You know, my mates were going travelling to Australia and having years out of uni, and backpacking and so on. I wasn't, I was playing football and recovering from injuries. So this little opportunity came up to go to Vancouver and I was like, yeah, that's fantastic. You know, I'd never been to Canada, always dreamt of it. So I went over there and played a little bit, which was great. And Peter Beersley actually, funny enough, would phone us after every home game or every game that we played there. And he'd phone us, and he, he didn't know me really. He was just helping me out, and he would get—I'd get on the phone, and he'd ask about you know how's the game and what do you do. And he's got a very distinct accent, so you know I can still hear it in my ears. And I just thought what great bloke he was for for trying to look out for me when you know there was there was no one else kind of doing it and doing me any favors. It was just me. So I played there for a while and got myself fit. It didn't quite work out how I wanted it to, um, and then I came back into England um, for the start of our football season, and I played for uh assigned for order shop um, which were in the conference at the time did all right there they didn't have any money let me go i went and played for slough town had a fantastic time there Um they're a really lovely club and it was the lowest level i'd ever played but it was great there were some great players that had also dropped down that tends to happen especially when you when you've been out for two critical years between sort of 21 and 23 24 you start knocking down the levels and trying to in the hope to build yourself back up but looking back it was it was very ambitious I mean I, I still did well at those levels but you know it's so critical when you're in your early 20s you've got to be you know it's it's so rare that you're going to get picked up and go back to a, a big football club so yeah I was getting paid okay um, and I was doing a bit of other work alongside I was doing a bit of landscape gardening and. I was in a warrant officer for Thames Valley Magistrates Court, and I mean, you, can't, you can only see me the video, but I'm, you know, five for eight and a half. I had long blonde hair at the time. I'm not particularly big, you know, muscly. I was going on knocking on doors and serving warrants to people that hadn't paid fines for all sorts of things, like you know, drug offences or and and parking tickets to violent crimes, all sorts around Slough. So this was like this was well lethal. I told you, you know, there's some highs and lows, and this was I don't even know if this was a low. This is just like a parallel kind of existence <laughs> that I did for six months. It was so weird. But I was playing football alongside and getting better and better and you know, building my fitness back up. And um I signed for another team called Eastleigh and then another team called Salisbury City and sort of work our way back up the leagues a little bit and getting paid all right money. Um I went. I went to uni. I'd never. I'd, I'd never. I didn't have any A levels. Nothing. I had GCSEs. That was it. Um, and when you're on football, you're supposed to do some study alongside, but no one truly does. To be honest, it's like a tick box exercise. Um, and so um, I went to. I looked into things a little bit, and I thought, well, I found this course called sports therapy, which um, is a, a slightly lesser known profession to physiotherapy in, in the UK, though it's becoming bigger. And um, i went for an interview at the university of chichester and spoke to sorry this
0: is where you lecture right now isn't it
2: i, I don't currently but i have done in the past right, yeah okay. i have done sorry. the past um so i went there when i was yes i was about about 26 i guess and i had an interview with a lovely lady called carolina and i was so nervous you know i i, I could i didn't even have a laptop but I, I didn't have it i had never used a computer and um she explained, I explained, I've been injured for a few years, but I, I worked with some fantastic physios at Lichfield Abbey, which were, you know, they're so inspiring. They helped, literally saves my, you know, my footballing career, what was left of it. They were fantastic, and I was so grateful to them. And I thought, you know, that's that's a really nice thing to go and do. And so, yeah, I found this, this course that I thought maybe I've got a chance of getting in with my experience. Went and had an interview. She was really nice, fierce. I'm still friends with her now. She's fierce, but she's lovely. Um, and she set a task. I had to write a little essay and do a little sort of an exam um, task uh, to get in. And, and lo and behold, I got in. So yeah, I went. I went to uni, and um, I absolutely loved it. I loved it. I didn't miss one single lesson through three years. Um, I did okay. I got sort of a, a high two one. I I did um a research project on on core stability I and. Mean, Tight, you know put electrodes all over people and, and it won a national award it, out of all the other unis i had to go and present ironically at the emirate stadium which is arsenal stadium i presented there my presentation uh, my my research project um, and it got voted on and it and it won <laughs> it won an award out of all the unis so I, you know i was thinking Jesus christ I don't, I don't waste my time trying to play football this this is great um and and i was still actually playing football th- all throughout uni um and uh had some interesting times and actually started playing futsal for um which is a five-a-side team which i ended up playing for england so i traveled around around europe playing and um I represented my country that was ama- it was amateur they didn't we didn't have a professional futsal setup back then i think they're getting close to it now but um yeah i had all these great experiences through uni and playing semi-professional football and playing futsal and you know i was going fishing whenever i wanted at the weekends and I was, you know all that sort of stuff so i had this freedom and this this liberation of that that was a it wasn't a forced change but there was certainly a point that came where i I thought to myself "I, i would like to try and take control of this here and start steering my life in a different direction rather than bouncing from one one football manager's opinion to another I um, finished uni and I did okay, and I started writing to every single physiotherapy clinic and every single football club that existed, um, and got hundreds of rejections, if not probably thousands. Maybe I'm exaggerating that bit, but you know, rejection letter after rejection letter, and um, uh, I I phoned up one. I gave up writing to people, so I phoned one clinic one day, and I was like, "Oh, can I speak to the? There's a doctor. Can I speak to this doctor?" Um, and um, they said no sorry you can't you know what, what do you want so I'm looking for a for a job and um, you know I, I've checked out your website it looks great and they said oh actually fun enough with we've been advertising a job it closes tomorrow Um so I went for an interview and I, and I got the job um, and then I quit playing football right there and then I stopped like overnight just phoned up my manager and said I've got got a job in a physio clinic it paid me I think it's about 20 grand a year which was a lot of money for me Um and that's it hung my boots up I was 27 no, 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 a bit older than that, 28 something. Um yeah, and said goodbye to football. Didn't haven't really thought about it too much. Like I said, with this conversation, you kind of you move on, don't you? And and um I haven't really told the story so much, but you yeah, know, maybe parts of it, but yeah, that's that's what happened and got a great job and started practicing as a as a I'm actually a sports therapist, which is it's very similar to a physiotherapist. So yeah. That's that's my story up to that point.
0: So just to get a little bit of context, so you when you rung up to get this job, this is what, you said it was 2010? Is that what we're talking?
2: Um, yeah, it's probably something like that, yeah. I can't remember exactly.
0: You mentioned three particular parts of your life where you said... You didn't use the exact word of floating, you did actually in one of them, but you said it was just like the most euphoric, amazing time of your life. The first one um, I've written down here, the first day when you played Man City, maybe it wasn't exactly that day, but it was when you were playing football. Then you talked about you floating across the field when you just finished your first day at university. And then when you got the national award at the Emirates Stadium. Um, Just talk me through what, what do you rank those ever in your head as in like, this is the best time of my life so far. I mean, I know you've got kids, so that probably supersedes all of this, but tell me about those sort of like three experiences. Do you rank them? Um,
2: I mean, it's, it's very different to, to, to rate them or or rank them. There is actually one other, which is quite, I'll give you this, I'll, I'll give you a little anecdote. I'm sorry if I'm going on a bit, but I guess this is a podcast. I was 16. Um, and I I was in the the academy at Reading, and I got I got bumped up to go and train with the first team because I was doing pretty well. And I sat there, and my youth team manager walked into the training uh, the changing room with a letter, and he and it was in front of all the first team. So these are some of my heroes that I watched growing up. They they're in the team, and he read out this letter, and he said and it said dear mr dylan so the guy's called kevin dylan who's my coach don't mind saying his name and you might um you'll realize why in a minute and um, it said dear mr dylan um, alex is incredibly proud and, and pleased to be on the yts scheme um, you know football is his passion and so on blah, blah, blah. um but alex's other passion is fishing would you mind finding some accommodation Near to the River Kennet, which is a river that I fished on growing up with my dad and my uncle, my granddad. Because after training, I know that he'd really appreciate, you know, if he was close to somewhere like that, it'd be a dream of his that he could go fishing on his days off and whatever. And this guy read it out in front of the the first team, in front of all my my you know the youth team that were you know I was fighting with, and the entire change room pissed themselves laughing <laughs> and poor little 16 year old alex had sat in the corner going holy fuck, dad why did you do that i'm going to get my ass kicked for the next two years and he was laughing his ass off and i was like you know i went bright red and like thinking about it now it, like, it was a lovely thing for my dad to do it's quite naive i've never told my dad this either so i don't if he hears this podcast he'll he'll know this story um and, you know, I love my dad. I still go fishing with him now. He, like, committed his life to me and my brother, and, you know, he's a great man. So, um, you know, at the time, I was furious. I was like, for fuck's sake, Dad, like, why did you do that? Like, it's hard enough just, like, surviving one day. But anyway, um, this 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 guy read it out. And um, I was, you know, I was furious at him, furious at my dad. Thought I'm the, I was just teased for the next two years because I liked fishing, and, you know, that was a bit of a silly thing to do when with a professional footballer. Do you have a nickname? Uh, no, I don't think so. They call me Had. So for, for sure, <laughs> but you know, oh Haddo. Haddock. They used to, after that. It's Haddock. <laughs> the manager called me Haddock. <laughs> he was from. He was a Mackum. He was from Sunderland. He'd, is that right? is a Mackum. I think is it yeah. Middlesbrough? Um, And you'd go Haddock, Alex Haddock. <laughs> and, like hear it ringing across the training ground. <laughs> So all my mates are gonna call me that after they hear this, for sure. <laughs> um but anyway, so that, that haunted me. That really haunted me. It's one of those moments so maybe we all have them when a teacher tells you off or you get embarrassed for some reason, some things really stick in you. I mean that's pretty poignant. But um anyway, a few years after I, I finished playing football, my one of my mates phoned me up and, and we go fishing a lot and we we you know we're pretty good at a certain type of fishing and he said, Oh Alex, there's England lure fishing trials at a lake do you want to go and i was like yeah yeah all right you know we could go and fish in the england fishing team like you know how wild is that i've already i represented england in some obscure football you know futsal which is a survivor side indoor thing why not go and um go and try for that that's something i could tell my grandkids as well so i went along and you know blow me down after three days of fishing i I finished in the top six and, and i got selected to fish for england <laughs> it's fucking mental, isn't it? um, So, you know i must have something lucky going on with me but you know i you know i did really well and i've you know i am you know pretty much that's my passion in life i go a lot i travel the world doing it now but uh, i'm a fisher england the, and the um the world championships were in ireland they could be anywhere in the world but they were in ireland but which was still fine um so i went over there and i wasn't selected for the the, the first day it's two days of competition it's live on tv they've got there been boats with cameras on them driving around and filming you. It's like a big deal. And um, I got selected for the second day and I went out on the, on the boat with the captain of the team. There's this, there's, there's two, two boats that go out each day. And we were going along with all the, you know, there's like the South African team and the American team, and we are all wearing our England kit and stuff and with flags and being really proud. And we decided to just stop in this little bay somewhere. It's like, do you reckon here? And I was like, yeah, this, you know, this, this is great. And I swear to you, with my, before he'd even put his rod together with my very first cast I, I hooked fishing for pike I hooked and landed a pike and that is the most euphoric moment outside the birth with my kids ever because I had a flashback to that changing room with that Macam dickhead reading out <laughs> my dad's stupid letter to all these footballers that teased me for the following two years you know I got this pike in literally the first cast and, um, yeah, I caught this pike, which was, uh, scored some points for my country in the world championships, which, you know, I've, I've fished way more than i played football. i fished since I was four years old. Yeah. That was, that was brilliant. So the other things like making my debut for Reading. Yeah. That was great. I scored, I played, played south for England. I was, I was a top scorer for a year. Um you know, I scored, scored for, for the country and, um, they're, they're amazing, amazing moments, but they, it's just surreal. The, the things the 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 moments that I've had, um, you know, fishing and birth of two kids, and you know, my wife and I, we got married in secret. We didn't tell anyone. It was a bit of fun as well. So, those moments where it's with people that genuinely care, uh, and things that you genuinely care about, are way more valuable than than an award that someone might give you because they reckon you've done all right. Or it's a very strange experience. It doesn't quite feel real. And people don't treat you genuinely. Um, you know, they people. If you tell someone that you're a plumber in a in a bar, they'll speak to you in a certain way. If you tell them you're a footballer, footballer, they they speak to you very differently. Um, and I was always very conscious of that, and that that's really sad. So that that always took the edge of things a little bit with football.
0: I'm curious. You've mentioned a lot of things that. <clears throat> almost appear lucky like Peter Beardsley taking interest in you um getting signed uh, very early on there's also been a fair amount of bad luck with the um with the ACL but I mean they're catching that pike on the first time and then just going it does sound like you know the the forrest gump story where he went oh and i invested in some in a in a in a in a fruit company called apple and they did all right um it's not luck is it it's not luck alex what do you put it down to what do you put down this continual ability to sort of do cool things
2: i think you i think it's maybe a mindset i mean i've got i've got friends i'm sure you've got friends that um you'll see similarities um with with their mindset rather than, you know, they would just happen to be walking down the street in Solihull and, you know, someone bumped into them and, you know, now they're a millionaire. You know, it's not that. It's you know, you put yourself out there and you say yes to things and, and you when when you do something you do it with with real purpose and real commitment. Um, and with with the little company that I got I got now, I, I say to the guys, I'm not interested in you do anything in doing anything. I'd rather you don't do, you don't work um if you're not going to do it with full commitment and and full purpose i mean you know it wouldn't be tragic if the last thing you you did on this planet was half-hearted so i always just think if you're going to do it just just go for it and you never know where it might lead you know you've 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 reached out to me via andrew who's who's a great guy um, and a good friend um and you know you're obviously doing similar sort of things where you've you've started your podcast and you're you're living here there and everywhere and you've you've done all sorts of things in the past so that i guess the answer is it's just it's just deciding that you're going to do it and committing to it.
0: I had a list of questions. You ticked every single one of them off for your story. It was brilliant. <laughs> it was like i say to you, the question is amazing. I am curious though, just from something you've said, that do you think that you are a, do you think you're a better sports therapist after having your own injury? Do you think you can
2: empathize with it? Oh, f- for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, yeah. Understanding and empathy that, that is intrinsic to being, a, a, or working in healthcare, essentially. Um, and there's a certain amount of psychology well it's there's a huge amount of psychology involved in in injury and and recovery and rehab whether it's uh, a physical injury a mental injury um you know a breakup whatever you have to go through a process and um until you've done it once you 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 can't really imagine what it's like
0: i always ask this question because i get some great answers is there a question i haven't asked you that you think i
2: should have (laughs) done That's very clever. Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I make this, this story of, of being a footballer um, sound pretty, pretty um, tragic in, in certain areas, but I'm still, it, it's all in, in context, it's all relative, you know, I'm, I'm not at a, in a refugee camp on the border of Calais and, and the UK, you know, I'm still a young, healthy, you know, early 20s bloke with a, a loving family and good support so it's only the the tragic side of it was me not not sort of fulfilling maybe the potential that I thought I had or others thought I had so um, I don't want it to sound like oh poor poor him you know that, that it, it is all relative and I, I was still um, in a very fortunate position so I was lucky that I have, have had a platform to then be able to go to university which I did actually pay for myself as well whilst I probably football funded it um so uh yeah that that was it really maybe maybe you could have asked a little bit more about that because i didn't want to sound like a, a a spoiled footballer that his dreams were ruined because he got injured
0: i think what's interesting is i mean one of the key things you that almost every single person we've interviewed has said that they've gone out and then taken the chances they've gone and said i'm gonna go and do it not oh, there's a fishing competition that's for England and should we go and do it? Oh, well, maybe not because we're never going to win, are we? You know, that kind of thing. You just went, fuck it, I'm going to go and do that because it's going to be a great experience. And what I like about your experience or your story of being the footballer is that you were like, okay, that was a chapter in my book. And then that chapter ended and that was very sad, but it wasn't the end of the book. That's what I really want listeners to sort of concentrate on is that even in the bleakest moments of your life, like your ACL injury, and you use the phrase, um, the second time it happened, you were on for 30 minutes and you knew, you said that in those exact words, I knew that I was fucked, (laughs) you said. Um, You didn't give up. You were like, okay, this is just the end of a chapter. So if someone is perhaps, particularly in the lockdown times, things aren't good they're listening to this and going my life isn't going the way I want it to go is there any advice you could give to someone uh
2: absolutely um the number one thing that um I, I fall back on is is plan make a plan uh, stuff doesn't just happen and um if if you've got a plan and no matter how simple it is if you can write down on the you know back of the envelope or whatever bit of scrap paper you've got lying around you know draw where you are right now draw, literally draw a picture of yourself you know what what your house looks like how you know how much money you've got in the bank you know really visualize it and then you can even draw you know where you want to go or 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 have a an, an idea and it doesn't have to be an idea that is is the ultimate and will stick but it's just start making a plan of how to get from where you are right now to where you might might want to be nothing's ever been reckless with any of these decisions with with playing football with fishing uh for england i've been fishing for years i've been waiting for 30 years for that moment that first cast it wasn't just luck you know i know i knew exactly what i was doing um and the same with moving out here to austria i i made a plan i i was still working i was working in in Goddarding in this in this clinic whilst i set up a business out here and through the wind season, I was commuting every weekend, and I employed someone based on my wage that I was earning in in Godalming. I was paying that straight to someone else to come and come and work in Austria. And I rented a little apartment and bought a Land Rover. And um, I thought, well, it's five months of the season. If it if it works, awesome. Then we'll we'll make another plan at the end of the season. If it doesn't work, so what? I've still got a job, or I can still find another job. But I'm gonna have a roll of the dice. But it was it was a really simple plan. I've actually still got the bit of paper. With all the calculations of how much it would cost me to employ someone for one season, and it was about eleven and a half thousand euros, and it was it was within probably a hundred or two a hundred euros or so of how much it cost me, and um, yeah, I think we made I think we turned over about twenty thousand euros that year. That was the very first year, so I was like, it works. I'm moving to Austria in a way I went, so it it wasn't just a a pure like dart in the dark. It was. you know it's well planned people people leave leave their lives lives up to to fate um quite often i think and and they think that that's the case of maybe someone like me or yourself where you have have moved and it it appears that it's the dream to some people it's it's not a dream at all it's a well-planned um well-executed um operation there's
0: i don't want to sound wanky but there is something (laughs) magical about about putting pen to paper and writing down your dreams. I read, I can't remember who it was. It was probably someone like Tony, Robin, Tony, Tony Robinson. I don't think it was him, time team guy. Tony <laughs> Robinson, who said who said that, um, who said, if you don't write down your goals on a consistent basis, you'll end up working for someone who does. And I just yeah, think uh, you're absolutely right. You just, if you want something, write it down and work backwards. I yeah. know that I won't go into the story, but Leanne and I, we sat in a pub um, 15, 14 years ago, and Leanne said, there's a place I've found called Gibraltar <laughs> where they speak English, but it's Spain. And we were like, okay. And that was basically we first moved to within about 30 kilometers of, of Gibraltar. So it all starts with just writing it down. Um, You've been so generous with your time. We're, we're pulling on an hour here. Um, this is, this is the longest interview we've ever had, and I absolutely love it. I've been enthralled through the whole thing. If people want to get in touch with you, Alex...
2: Um, I guess the best way is through our website. So my company's called Alpine Sports Physio. Um, so it's alpinesportsphysio.com. Um, you'll find my email on there. Um, you know, feel free to, to get in touch. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, ch- to, to share any advice if, if someone wants some. Um, yeah, I think you, you pass it on and you get it back um, somewhere along the line. Uh, so yeah, I'll be I'll be honoured if anyone a- anyone took any more interest in me to be honest. <laughs> um, but I'm 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 flattered that you asked to have a chat with me as as well. So thanks, I really I really appreciate it.
1: Well, that was interesting.
0: He's such an interesting guy.
1: Yeah, I remember when you recorded that you were kind of kind of came bouncing down from from the office. It's um just what happens when you have a good conversation with somebody, isn't it? It gives you energy.
0: Absolutely, and I think you'll probably notice—not necessarily Julian, you, but your listener might notice—that I didn't say much at all in that. He was—he was a dream um, because I basically asked a question, and then half an hour later, he'd answered all my questions, which was fantastic. So, um, um, so yeah, really interesting guy. Uh, what were your favourite bits?
1: I think what I found really interesting—I mean, as a football fan, um, I think it's a couple of things. Really, I mean, one—it must have been devastating for him to have so much of his life and love in—in—in in, in, you know, sport. He's, you know, he's, a, he's an athlete, mm-hmm. and to have that um, taken away is, is cruel. And what he he did with that is incredible. But um, I think what really surprised me is what he was saying about the pay. Like mm-hmm. I don't understand, you know, like it, it was not like Premiership team, but you'd still think as a professional sports person, you would earn more than that.
0: And especially, he was doing seventy hours a week. Yeah. Um, I mean, at some point, when he first started, he was on fifty quid a week. Yeah. That, isn't it? it is, it is. Um, so so that was interesting. I mean, there's obviously loads of great stories in there. What's interesting is he, he said he always dreamt of travelling, um, and he did through a variety of ways, through either working out or playing in Canada, um, but now obviously he's in the Alps. Um, we will link to his website, so if you're ever in the Alps and you hurt yourself, then he's the man to call. <laughs> uh, definitely. Um, I also really, really liked the bit at the end, which um, I know could sound a little bit woo-woo and whatever, but... We're not really woo-woo here. We don't woo-woo. say. <laughs> not
1: that kind of woo-woo. No, no? not that
0: kind of woo-woo. The more of a, you know, sit cross-legged in a field and imagine, and visualize your dreams and they and checks will suddenly come through the post. I, personally, I think it's a load of bollocks. But <laughs> what I do think is important is visualizing what you actually want. And that doesn't have to be sitting there again with weird music in the background visualizing it. Just let you go, okay, right, I've got a very clear idea of what I want. And that's something he's done, something we've done. I told the story of about 14, 15 years ago when we went to the pub, Woodhouses, Woodhouse Gardens in Manchester, if anyone knows that, North Manchester.
1: It's a good pub. Yep. Be, it was. <laughs> I don't know what it it's might by not now. be anymore.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and you came to me and said, I found this place called Gibraltar. Um, yeah. And that was the beginning of our plans and our dreams. So, um, without much further, well, I suppose to be in a fair amount of ado, but without any further ado, <laughs> shall we? <laughs>
1: without even more ado. <laughs> <laughs> further ado. <laughs> We're all done with the day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We have so much to do that we don't know what to do with it. Um, so, we will see you next time, where next time we haven't actually formalised an interview yet. We've got a few people we got planned. Ooh. So um, And by the way, if you know someone who's interesting, who, do, who lives and works abroad or has got a story like that.
1: Or if indeed you believe you are interesting. Yeah,
0: we'll be the judge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll be the judge of that. But if you would like us to judge you, get in touch.
0: Yeah. Go to uh, Instagram, a sideways life. And if you're not subscribed to the podcast, then please subscribe. Because your subscription, actually, download, subscribe, review, tell your friends. uh, Take out billboards. We don't mind you doing that. Yeah,
1: that'll be good. Yeah,
0: Um, uh, Take out, run a TV advert. Even
1: better. Advert
0: guy. Uh, Paid traffic. You can do anything you want to help us. And we would appreciate all the support. Hmm,
1: Yeah, that would be very generous (laughs) of you. Thank (laughs) you.
0: All right, guys. We'll see you next time.
1: Bye. Bye Bye-bye.